Welcome to Douglas Wilson's The Plotcast, brought to you by Canon Press. Here at Canon, we are halfway through our annual fall sale, where almost everything is 30% off. Do not miss out. The sale ends this Sunday, October 13th. Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 113, the podcast. You know, the podcast, not just any podcast. It's this is the podcast. Sometimes it seems like we never really leave election season, uh, but uh, the election uh, season is starting to heat up. The primaries, uh, primary campaigning is already underway on the Democratic side, and uh, there doesn't look to be doesn't look to be. Um, any serious primary challenger to President President Trump on the on the Republican side. So, what should we look for? What should we expect? Now, keep in mind that we are very obviously dealing with a situation where many many people have what can only be called Trump derangement syndrome. They they just can't they just can't even right now. There are people who are opposed to the president who don't have this derangement system uh, syndrome. There are people who don't agree with him on policy grounds or they object to his brusque manner or they uh, don't like the way he conducts his battles on Twitter or whatever. You, there are all sorts of people who take issue with the president who don't have the derangement syndrome. But that said, there are a lot of people who do have the derangement sy- syndrome. And it also has to be said that a number of the people with this derangement sy- syndrome are, are working at CNN and MSNBC and other places that control uh, the flow of information. Now, when we're coming up to this um, next election, I think the thing that I would encourage everybody to uh, remember is that the information you are getting from the standard news sources is almost certainly not reliable. Almost certainly not reliable. We live in an age where everything has been politicized. So why wouldn't politics be politicized, right? And um, it's not just the players. It used to be that the the uh, you know the two teams out there, the Republicans and the Democrats, were politicized. It was a political game. But the refs. The refs were expected to be judicious and calm and, and um, objective and sort of in the middle. But we are in a time when the chattering classes, the, pundit, the pundits, the talking heads on television, are players every bit as much as the politicians are, which means that I, I think that here's a, a, a very simple example of what I'm talking about, I think that you should uh, make it a hard and fast rule that you're not going to derive any feeling of optimism or pessimism, whichever way you're leaning in this election, uh, whichever way you want it to go. You should not be deriving any kind of solace or comfort or encouragement at all from any polls. Um, 
I think uh, even in even in the best of times, even when the pollsters are trying to be objective, what's what is happening? They're rendering general by induction, right? They they talk to two thousand Americans. They call up two thousand Americans and say something like, "If the election were to be held today, you would do what X, Y, or Z," and they walk through. Now, having talked to two thousand Americans, they then tell you what 200 million Americans are thinking. Now, that's a, hazard, that's a hazardous process just um, to begin with. And then periodically, somebody will, let, let's say someone uh, conducts a, an internet poll and, and they put the poll out there and 10 million people uh, respond to it. But everybody, uh, they, they fall all over themselves to say, this is not a scientific poll. Uh, we just put the question out there and everybody felt like it answered. Well, the chances are the unscientific poll might, gi might give you a much better take on how the election is actually going to go because that's where people live and function. Um, if you do everything in a lab and you hover over all your data and you decide very carefully and painstakingly who you're going to call, um, it's going to be very easy once the rot of political, um, the politicalization process has set in, it's going to be very easy for you to be, have your thumb on the scale and think you're doing science, to have your thumb on the scale and think you're doing science. It's not science. If, basically, if you took 20 thermometers out, uh, outside on a winter's night and you measured the temperature on that winter's night, out of those 20 thermometers, you're going to have just a degree or two difference, if that, right? But when you look at the polls and they say the, the point spread in these polls, you're not looking, <laughs> you're not looking at a scoreboard. You're not, you're, what you're doing is you're, uh, this is a system of educated, educating, educated guessing. And this educated guessing has the veneer of science, and it's happening in a time when people are frantic and desperate to not have the president win. Now, again, I'm not saying this is a partisan. I'm, I've felt this way about polls uh, since before Donald Trump was uh, remotely involved in politics at all. Um, but the fact that uh, Trump has set people barking at the moon, uh, and, and he most certainly has, means that we need to be very judicious and careful about not going emotionally up or emotionally down based on anything that, um, uh, that the chattering classes are telling us. So, podcast 113 and hamartiology. Here we are again. The word apostrepho. Apostrepho is used in varying ways. As I am fond of pointing out, there is no virtue or vice in a transitive verb. The ethical component is found in the direct object or in the adverb. It's not virtuous, for example. It's not virtuous to love if you love the devil, or if you love evil deeds, or if you love child porn. Uh, love does, the, the fact that you use the, the verb love doesn't make it okay. The corruption all comes from the direct object, devil, evil deeds, child porn. And it's not sinful to hate if what you hate is every evil way. Um, so 
keep in mind that transitive verbs require an adverb or, uh, you know, he loved falsely or uh, a direct object. Uh, he loved the devil uh, before we know whether it's an ethical or an unethical thing to do. Now, I bring this up because this next verb from the New Testament, apostrepho, um, means turn away. Turn away. Now, clearly, if you turn someone away from their sins, this would be a good thing. The scriptures do use this verb in that sense. But people can also be turned away from the right. So, if you're turned away from your sins, that's great. If you're turned away from the, the path of righteousness, that's not so great. So, for example, here are a number of related uses. Uh, so, I'm passing, I'm not using, I'm not pointing out the places where turned away uh, is used in Scripture in a positive sense. There are a number of them. Um, I'm just using the, uh, the negative uses, and those, uh, negative, those negative definitions are determined uh, according to context. Here's a number, so, here's a number of re related uses. Turned unto, turned away, turn away from, or turn from. And all of them have this negative sense. 2 Timothy 4.4, 4, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. So they're turning away from something, and they're turning to something. They're turning away from the truth, and they're turning to fables. This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. That's 2 Timothy 1.15. In this case, in the first verse, they're, they, they're turned away from the truth. In this one, they're turned away. They've turned away from the apostle Paul. In Hebrews 12.25, See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. This is, um, this is a turning away from, a repudiation of the God who speaks from heaven, and uh, therefore, obviously, is a sin. Or, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth that turn from the truth. So, um, um, in one place, the word is translated as pervert. Um, so, and here's um, a, a point we can make in passing. Huerto um, uh, is the, um, the Latin word for I turn. So, someone who's converted is someone who's turned. Someone who is perverted is turned away from a, a good path, a straight line. So, in Luke twenty three fourteen, said unto them, Ye have brought this man before me. This is Pilate speaking. Ye have brought this man uh, unto me as one that perverteth the people. And behold, I, having examined him before you, have found no fault in this man, touching those things whereof ye accuse him. So, you're accusing him of perverting people, turning them away, but I, didn't, I have not found anything like that. This is Pilate's summary of the Jews uh, and their accusation against Christ, which was, of course, false. Uh, the book that I want to commend to you this go-round is by Sinclair Ferguson, and it is called The Whole Christ. The Whole Christ. Now, why, why do I want to commend this book? Well, uh, let's go back to the 17th century. Um, there was a um, there was someone in the 1600s who wrote a book 
uh, the marrow of modern divinity. And, uh, and this book was discovered again uh, in Scotland. It was, so it was published in the mid-17th century, and then um, it was uh, found, I think, by Thomas Boston, uh, who thought it was very valuable, edifying. It was republished and became an occasion of controversy in Scotland at the time. The, uh, Scots, the Scottish Presbyterians at the time, the, the established uh, Presbyterian church, had become um, legalistic. And this uh, book, The Marrow of Modern Divinity, was, um, well, the, when it comes to the moral life in Christ, there are two ditches. There is the, uh, there's the legalistic ditch, and there is the antinomian ditch. The antinomians want to say that in Christ there is no law, uh, in the, um, uh, and the legalists want to be able to be saved by law or sanctified by law or to get law to do something for them that it ought not to be doing. There, the, there was an uproar over the publication of this book, and so the, the man who wrote it was out of the picture, and it was just all the guys who were behind the reprint. So um, uh, Thomas Boston was one of them. The Erskine, Erskine brothers were uh, part of this, and they became th- these people became known as Marrow Men. Marrow Men. So the book was The Marrow of Modern Divinity, and the Presbyterian Church at the time condemned uh, the marrow, the 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 marrow of modern divinity condemned it as antinomian. It was not antinomian at all. It was orthodox, biblical, and wholesome. It was just good stuff. It was basically uh, standard reformed orthodoxy. But the Presbyterian Church condemned it several times in in this controversy. Now, um, then uh, the controversy went on for some years, and some um, some men came back and with a, a remonstrance saying, hey, would you reconsider? And, and they said uh, no. And, and so the, the controversy in the Presbyterian church eventually died out, and then a group of men who had been marrow men formed their own, um, formed their own denomination. Now, the, all of that is to, say, is to pro- provides a setup for uh, Sinclair Ferguson's book, The Whole Christ. What basically what Sinclair Ferguson is doing is showing how that arcane, long dead controversy um, is relevant in the modern Reformed world, and this is really, um, uh, I, I think it's really true and very timely. Um, S- uh, Sinclair Ferguson's take on the Marrow controversy, I think, is judicious and wise. He he's basically evaluating that controversy, and he's making application to our situation today. And it's really easy for someone, if someone says obedience, for example, on the internet, if, we're, if, we're, if a Reformed uh, Bible teacher says that Christians need to be obedient, it's easy for people to set up a hue and a cry about works righteousness or legalism. Well, in the Scripture, obedience is not a bad word. We obey the truth. We obey the gospel. We obey Christ. We, if you love me, Jesus said, you'll keep my commandments. So obedience is not a bad thing in Scripture. Trying to earn your salvation is, of course, nonsensical, and that's a bad thing. That's a wicked thing. 
but obedience and walking in grace is not uh, is not a problem. And ba- basically, if you want um, uh, sort of a a lesson, if you want to be helped to understand uh, the center of Reformed orthodoxy when it comes to basic Christian living, um, uh, this uh, this book, the whole Christ by Sinclair Ferguson, would be a good book to have on your shelf. Good book to have on your lap, and then after that, on your shelf. You've spent a pleasant half hour with podcast proprietor Douglas Wilson. This podcast is produced by Canon Press. Please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform. To hear more from Doug, please visit canonpress.com.